Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, where transformation begins. I'm your host, Jane Marquiandi, and today we embark on an extraordinary journey with a visionary life coach, Byron Athene. Byron's groundbreaking approach challenges the limits of conventional thinking, offering answers to our most profound, unconscious struggles. In this episode, Byron reveals the origin of our most troublesome emotions and empowers us to reclaim control over our inner landscape. Get ready to discover how to move from turbulence into flow, unlocking the power within to manifest and thrive in a state of positivity. Join us as we unravel the mysteries of the mind and journey toward mastering our emotions with Byron Athene. Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome, Byron. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, excited to have you because you're talking about my favorite subjects. And I'm going to start with a quote of yours. And that is that my aim is to help revolutionize psychotherapy, decreasing the chance of being held back by misunderstood unconscious processes. Maybe just tell us why that is such a passion of yours and then talk about your insights that you've developed. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a passion of mine because I, I stumbled revolutionary idea that really helped me see life in a completely different, empowering, help, healthy, more helpful way. I started to just wonder well, how how I could share this to the world. It's almost like I, I didn't think I could. I, I didn't have that much confidence in my ability because I'm a stutter. And I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But then I became a therapist. And when I first started training as a therapist, I thought I would, I would have to just only do the existing therapeutic approaches like person-centered or psychodynamic. But I'm a, I'm a life coach as well, and um, one of my clients transitioned from life coach from therapy to life coaching, and I I developed an emotions mastery package, which has the which had the that my idea of bad emotions at its core, and he really benefited from it. So I thought, well, I wonder if my other clients would benefit from it as well. So yeah, my my practice changed, but much better from that moment. You started with bad emotions, which are often yeah. triggered by the unconscious, but yeah, going at it, it's something we can see, right? Like we're yeah. so aware of our bad emotions. Oh, so yeah, definitely. yeah, that's very cool. Tell us more about that. Okay. So I, yeah, I think I have found the real reason for why we have bad emotion, the, the real reason why we, ha why we have bad emotions, because there are there are lots of theories doing around, lot, lots, of the, lots of them are quite historic, like Quite a few of them seem to have uh, have basis in like Freud's theories, Jungian discoveries, but I I think I stumbled across the real reason after I asked myself, but why why do we feel bad? Because I I read a book called Psycho Cybernetics in the early nineties, and that that book oh, that book was recommended to me by one of my two brothers because all all three of us have stutters, but whereas they almost didn't seem to make it that big a deal, whereas I made mine a core part of my personality and I really didn't like myself because of it. So the, so the, so my brother Bernie recommended this book and I, I, I read this book in the hope that it would help me come to terms with my stutter more. 
it didn't really help with my stutter, but it did introduce the idea to me that happiness comes from within. Because I thought happiness and unhappiness was 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 caused by external events. But when I realized that happiness and unhappiness was coming from within, I asked myself, but why do I, in that case, why do I make myself unhappy? I'd, I'd just gone through a breakup as well. So I, I was feeling really, really unhappy. Now I found myself being able to, through positive reframing, prompt better feelings to the point where I managed my emotions much better than I thought I ever could, to the point where I could feel good right after feeling bad. And that prompted me to ask the question, so why, why are bad emotions there at all? Let's do this. Uh, why, why, why do we make ourselves feel bad in certain, in certain moments? And I asked lots of people and I heard lots of the theories that I know are untrue. Like you need bad to know good or the bad emotions serve us better than our good emotions or bad emotions are just a, a normal part of life. And I knew that those theories weren't true because I had lived three months of a life where I minimized my bad emotions and I hadn't experienced any downsides. It was all good. It was all good. So I, I knew that the, my, my, my bad emotions weren't there because they were serving me better than my good because I was just enjoying life a lot more. I was feeling more resourceful. And so I, at that point, I, I, because I asked people who didn't know, and I, I asked like a whole range of people from like lay, lay people to experts, no one knew. Everyone said the same 10 reasons over and over again. So I, I, I kind of assumed that it's possibly something I'm never going to find out. And I, I was, I was okay with that. I, 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 I made peace with that. I became friends with someone. This is about a year and a half afterwards. I became friends with someone. I spoke to her about my, my emotional control and that really, that really seemed to appeal to her. And, um, she asked me if I could help her with her emotions. I said, well, I could just let you know what I did. And it took me about a year and a half. It might take you a year and a half as well. She said she didn't mind. So we started to work on her emotions and it was taken a bit too long. So I thought, well, let me ask people again. Let me see if I can find a real reason because if I found a real reason that might create a shortcut of some kind. So again, I asked people for the reason why we have bad emotions. Again, I heard the same reasons that I knew didn't make sense, but then I saw it. Then I saw the truth and it was definitely life-changing. So you must tell us. <laughs> okay. I, I shall tell you. Rather than, rather than me telling you, Jane, well, because I, I do, I do have a more fun way to share because I, I did just used to blurt it out. Well, you know what? First of all, I found that the, my my first attempts to share this didn't work because people's existing theories kind of got in the way. So then I realized that I stood a much greater chance of being more successful if I disproved their existing theories first. Then once we've done that, then that 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 creates a kind of a void of a void of truth, and my theory neatly fits in with that. So what I'll do first, I'll I'll quickly show you how the top three theories can be quite easily disproved, and then. And then I'll ask you a couple of questions and that will help clarify the, I'll go through top, the, the top three theories. Theory number one, is, so lots of people believe that bad emotions exist because without them, the good emotions wouldn't feel as good. So the contrast between the good and the bad make the good feel better. Right. So they just believe that it just is. It, 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 yeah, it, it, it just is. And that the, the bad emotions are, are there because without them, the good wouldn't have any meaning, right. which obviously isn't true because our good and good emotions and bad emotions are independent things. You don't need to feel angry to feel happy. You can feel angry or happy. 
You don't, those, those two emotions aren't linked. Theory number two is the function theory. That is our bad emotions serve us better than our good emotions do. Now, this theory is actually true, but only for one emotion in one very specific circumstance. And that emotion is fear in the circumstance of your life being in danger. If your life's in danger and you're feeling frightened, that fear is going to help you because hopefully you will then access adrenaline and that adrenaline is going to help you run faster or fight harder. But in every other situation, your bad emotion isn't helping you more than a good emotion would. And I've, um, I researched this since and found out that bad emotions affect our ability to think clearly anyway. So that's another way you can, you can see that our bad emotions are not helping us because surely it's better to think clearly in, in all, in all situations. Right. And you can kind of stay in that fight or flight state for a long time in our modern world, right? It's not necessarily helping us. <laughs> definitely. Uh, definitely not. But it, but it's 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 easily done. It's it's easily done. It it's a it's a state that we we find easy to default to. Cause I I I guess our bodies think, well, better safe than sorry. So yeah. if we're if we're overprotecting ourselves, at least we're protecting ourselves. The third theory is the inevitability theory. Bad emotions are just inevitable. They're just a part of life, but that's not true. Our bad emotions are prompted by our perspectives or interpretations of things, not those things themselves. So we can we could always interpret things differently. That that disproves that that theory. Right. Okay, so hopefully look at it, right? Is that yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so yeah, so um, I found once I've disproved those three theories, once I've got those theories out the way, then I can talk about something that sounds more sensible. I'm, I'm not close-minded. I'm not dogmatic. I'm not saying I know this is definitely true. I'm saying this. My theory seems to just make a lot more sense considering all things. Okay, so here we go. So rather than me telling you what the theory is, Jane, I'm going to ask you two questions, two really simple questions. And in answering those two questions, you are going to be unknowingly telling me what the theory is. All I'm going to do afterwards is just fill in the blanks. So question, question, why do babies cry usually, generally? Because they feel uncomfortable and want something. Perfect. Perfect. Let me, let, let me just pad that answer out just a little bit. So a baby, a baby cries, you can, you can, you can say a baby cries usually generally because there's something they need or want and they, they have no other form of communication. So when there's a need not being met, that prompts discomfort and then they cry so that someone can come along and, um, resolve the situation. Perfect. Okay. Question number two, what is a typical response to a baby crying from the caregiver or someone close to them? Well, to rush to the baby and try to figure out what they need. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So to rephrase and recap, a baby cries usually generally because there's, there's something they need or want, and there's no other form of communication. Um, what usually happens is, is that someone or hopefully tends to the baby, tries to work out what they're trying to communicate and then meet that need or desire. Here we go. So theory number four is called the baby theory. And it makes clear that the only reason why adults still feel bad is that we needed to feel bad as babies to alert someone that there was something wrong. There was no other way of us doing it. And it's a process we are still unknowingly, unconsciously still running. So let's, let's imagine a baby is ideally in a state of equilibrium or balance. They have everything they need. So there's the right amount of nutrition in them, the temperatures within the right range. That feels good. 
Now, when there's even one unmet need, so there's a problem with the food, there's a problem with the temperature, that triggers a state of disequilibrium or imbalance. Uh, and because a baby can't say, Oi, I'm hungry, can you turn the heat up or down, please? The only thing the baby can do is crudely express the fact that there's something wrong by crying in the hope that someone comes along, tends to them, identify the need that's not being met, meet it, and that returns the baby to a state of equilibrium again. So a baby uses that process to ensure that the needs are met as quickly as possible, and it works more times than not. There's a very high success rate. Now, when desires are introduced to the baby, and a baby perceives an obstacle to that desire, they know bad feelings get results, so they make themselves feel bad, express the bad feeling in hope that someone comes along and gives them what they're crying about. That's a process that's that's been running pretty much our whole lives, and we were never taught that that's what we were doing, so we've continued to let the, pro the process run. Rather than being taught that that's what we are doing, we're taught these fake reasons for the existence of bad emotions, like we need bad to no good, or bad emotions serve us, or bad emotions are just a part of life. But that's what I believe. Yeah, it's like it's like a program, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. How to get what you need. <laughs> yep. And so we're always looking outside ourselves too for what yeah. what we need, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I wouldn't even I, I wouldn't even use the word need in, in that in that way as well, because um I think in terms of bad emotions when it comes to adults, the, that bad emotion is prompted by an unmet desire, not an unmet need. Because mm. if there's an actual and well, sorry, when when I say need, I mean really physical basic needs like temperature, food, um, sleep. So if we if there's an obstruction to any of those needs, that doesn't even feel that bad. We can we can tolerate the hunger. We can tolerate hot or cold, depending on the um, the extent of it. But when there's an unmet desire, we we have learned to make ourselves feel horribly bad, like really uncomfortable in our in our pursuit to get that thing. Right, and being totally unaware of where the drive comes from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I pretty much based my practice around encouraging clients to just understand this fairly fundamental principle of how we, how our brains work. And it usually works really well. I mean, the, yeah, the, the baby fairy session with, with my clients is definitely my favorite session because the, the range of different responses I get is priceless. The amount of minds I've blown, it's, mm. it's, it's priceless. But so what's the answer? Is it just pausing and realizing what's happening? The answer is fully taking on board this this programming, fully, fully absorbing it, fully seeing the seeing the truth in it. Because if you see the truth in it, you will understand that your bad emotions are a or are conditioned responses, or is a conditioned response. Once you understand that, you can condition a more helpful and healthy response. Right. Give us an example of something maybe a little extreme that would feel warranted, like the reaction and the bad emotion are warranted, but then turning it to a better reaction. Sure. Okay. Let's say let's say someone loses their job. Hmm. They've been working at this place for ages. They they really they they've made it part of the identity. They the the, the job loss came completely out of the blue as well. So they've lost their job and it feels like the floor has just been removed. They're in they're in free fall. It feels it feels horrible. So that's the, the scary, you're angry. Yeah. Oh God. Like lots of very impactful 
emotions going on at the same time. Um, yeah, because there are, there are lots of aspects about that, about that situation that could keep you feeling bad for ages if you let it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So if the baby theory is true, that is your brain saying, here's a problem. My initial response to try to deal with that problem is to make myself feel bad because making myself feel bad used to prompt someone to intervene when I was much younger and solve the problem for me. Right. So if you, if you understand that, you, you'd be more likely to not make yourself feel bad because when you make yourself feel bad, you're not feeling resourceful. You're not feeling open-minded. You're not feeling, um, you're not in a state conducive to problem solving. So that means you are less likely to solve the problem. Yeah. And you're kind of paralyzed, hoping yeah. someone else will solve the problem. Yeah, exactly. And that yeah. usually doesn't work when you're an adult. <laughs> nope. Usually not. <laughs> usually not. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like um, an analogy that I've created to, to really drive this point home is it's almost like all of us have a genie lamp inside of us. So when we were babies, when we were newborn babies, every wish we had could be granted immediately because our range of wishes were really small. We just wanted to be like picked up or moved or given something. So our caregivers could be genies and just grant every single wish if they wanted to immediately. Mm. But the older we got, and oh, sorry. Yeah. So the, so the, the genie lamp works in terms of, so we've got this lamp, we rub it and rubbing it causes discomfort. So that's the, that's where the bad feeling comes, comes from. That's where the bad emotion comes from. It comes from rubbing the lamp and expressing that discomfort prompts the genie to appear or the care, caregiver to appear and then grant us our wish. Then we stop rubbing the lamp and then we're, we're happy. But then what the about, old. What about the situation of a child that doesn't get their needs met and then they might grow up believing that bad things always happen to them and that their needs never get mad at it always happens. Like, you know, a mother that might leave you crying for ages. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, do you, um, do you know the, the real disturbing answer to that question? What happened to those babies who didn't get their physical needs met? Well, yeah, I think they grow up a little bit more complicated, right? Because um, no, then... it's, it's, it's more disturbing than that. Okay. That, that's that's the answer to the question. What happened to the babies who didn't get their emotional needs met or psychological needs met? What happened to the babies who didn't get their physical needs met? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they they died. They died because they didn't get their needs met. Oh, those of us. Yeah, yeah physically, those, but mentally, yeah. emotionally, maybe not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so those those of us who got our physical needs met, we survived. Notice the connection between feeling bad and getting our needs met. And then feeling bad and getting our desires met. And it's been an unconsciously running program ever since. You know, you have the odd person that feels that they can't reach out for help because they feel that there never will be help. So I guess yeah. that's, I'm just throwing in a little curveball. But uh, so, okay. So, so back to the, back to that person when they're a child. So they've, they've consolidated the process in terms of they are going to feel bad, but they've, they've learned to not cry because they realize that crying isn't going to get them the response that they want. So they feel bad still, but they don't cry. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they came to that realization before, they would have not felt bad. So the, the fact that they feel bad means that they're probably, probably all, always going to feel bad, but they, they might just have a, 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 a fairly distorted view of the world because they, 
they think that even justifiably they they believe that their their parents should have been more nurturing or more loving and more more and more kind but they but, but still the confusion will lie in the fact that they're looking for the answer outside of themselves yes exactly so yeah it probably comes to the same answer that you're getting yeah. to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. okay carry on okay so yeah so the the, the genie lamp so um when we first use it it was very effective. We rub it, it causes pain. We we express the pain. Genie appears, grants our wish. But the older we get, the less reliable the genie becomes because we start to have wishes that our caregivers or anyone else can't cater for. People can't, the days can't be longer. We can't, I don't know, like be in two locations at once. So our wishes outgrow the genie lamp. And there comes to a point where the genie just moves out altogether. So the, the lamp is now broken. Our wishes are not going to get met, but we still keep rubbing the lamp. That means that we are still going to get the bad feeling, but our wishes are not going to get met. Yeah. So that's what, that's, that's what our, our bad emotions are. Our bad emotions are a reflection of an unmet wish. And so depending on the individual, you can have someone that does try to get that attention and does try to get the answers from someone else, but it, it gets old. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that person who, who is asking for help, they can actually ask for help. They don't need to make themselves feel bad as part of a futile process. Right. Yeah. With the realization. I get it. Very yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate any more with uh, examples? Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go through objections because yeah, like, like I said, not everyone accepts this and I can, I can go through the, through the objections because then they, that going through those might help clarify. So, okay. So in fact, well, the, the first objection we've already gone through, like, so people have said, but what about, what about those babies who didn't get their needs met? Yeah, we've, we've already answered that question. So other objections people have said, but does, does this apply to every single instance of bad feeling? Like, what about the times when you feel bad about nothing? How does that fit in with your fairy bar? What's, what's, what's your view, Jane? Do you think you can feel bad about nothing? Yeah. Like you, I feel that you could get triggered and it can feel like nothing, mm. but it can take you back to that state as a child or a baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the, the, the fact you use the word trigger, that means you're being triggered by something, but that thing might might be outside of your awareness. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why people think that they're feeling bad about nothing, because they are feeling bad about something. They, they're, they're just not aware of what that thing is. If, if, they, if they explored, they'd probably find out what that thing was. Right. So another another objection is pe people have said, but does this apply to everyone? So I'm I'm saying I think this applies to everyone across the board or humans. Um, people have said, but does this apply to everyone? What about people with hormonal imbalances? What about people with chemical imbalances? What about people who are clinically depressed? Surely this theory doesn't fit them. Well, I think it does. I think for those those um, with anyone with an imbalance of any kind, hormonal, chemical. They're still running the same process, but because of their imbalance, they're they're just more heightened to triggers. Maybe they they see more triggers. Maybe the triggers will prompt a more intense feeling. Maybe the feeling will last longer. But it's the same. It's it's the same process. Those those people are are seeing something that they don't like. Right, because it is a chemical cascade. Yeah. When you're triggered, so so someone that's clinically depressed. Yeah. What would the answer be for them? Just yeah, just to just to be aware of 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 what you're doing. You're you're still running the same process, but because of your clinical depression, it's going to be easier for you to 
slip into depression and stay there because that's your body's strategy to cope. But if you, if you try to crawl out slowly, you're, you're, you're much more likely to do it as opposed to feeling that there's nothing you can do. Right. Yeah. You're taking your power back. Yes, exactly. With knowledge. Yeah. awareness okay so the final the final objection so this this one isn't and i guess this kind of answers your question uh, more specifically about examples okay so people have said but even if this is true how are you going to apply it to those really big life events that you how how are you going to apply this when someone when someone dies say mm -hmm. and my my stance is well you are going to feel bad when someone dies because you feel bad when there's something happening that you don't like that will obviously include someone dying because you don't want them to be dead. But surely, surely the, the fact that you can feel so bad in certain situations proves this and adds detail because surely you've, you've noticed the correlation between the intensity and the duration of the feeling relative to the significance of the thing. Mm -hmm. if, there was, if there was a small change you wanted, imagine if you lost $10, you'd probably feel maybe a bit irritated, a bit irked, but you'd, you'd get on with the rest of your life. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be stuck on the fact that, that you lost that amount of money. But if there was a really big change you wanted, like someone being here when they're not, you are going to make yourself feel like absolute crap. You are, you are, you are going to make yourself feel horrible because like I said, feeling horrible when you were a baby, we used to prompt someone to intervene and, and give you what what you want. So that's why, that's why grief and bereavement last as long as they do and feel as crappy as they, cr and crappy as they do, because we're, we're essentially trying to bring the person back. And that obviously isn't going to work. Right. By feeling bad. By feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then we feel even guilty if you don't feel bad. Yes, exactly. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a tough yeah. yeah the, the, the general pattern is the more we want something, and or the, the the more emotional investment we have in something, the worse we make ourselves feel if it doesn't go our way. So by realizing too that we really don't have control over the way life goes, you know, some control, but to be a, it gives you an element of flow if you can grasp and and accept what you're saying. Definitely, 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 yeah, flow. Flow is an interesting concept because how that relates to this, if you were to, if you were to, to accept reality for what it was, then you wouldn't feel bad because you feeling bad is saying that you're not accepting reality. You need reality to be different and we don't need reality to be different. We sometimes might want it to be different, but that one is irrelevant because reality isn't going to change because of your needs or wants. We can influence certain situations, of course, but we, we're, we're much better um, we can influence things much better by thinking about them, by by preparing or making plans or acting, as opposed to making ourselves feel bad because of an archaic program they're still running. Right. So let's throw this out. In, say you're trying to manifest something important to you, like a relationship, and it's not happening and you're feeling bad. What's the answer? Is it's the same answer to accept, but question your belief system because you keep attracting. You're trying to manifest something, but it's not working. What's your thoughts? So, so well, then I, I guess you can you can approach that in a couple of ways. You you can can ask yourself, or well, how how realistic a manifest manifestation is this? Because if, if you're trying to manifest something that's unrealistic, then that's just not going to work. 
or you can you can try and put it in priority. You can ask yourself, what do I do? I actually need this thing that I'm trying to manifest. Because if you if you if you admit to just wanting it as opposed to needing it, you'll treat it differently anyway. And if there's if you're if you realign your your attitude to accept it's just a desire rather than a need, you're much more likely to be relaxed. So you're much more likely to enter that flow state again. So you increase the chances of securing that thing. Right. It's a little bit about letting go. Yes, exactly. It's to how it will happen or exactly what will happen. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I like that. Beautiful. So can you just wrap it up with some takeaways that we can remember? Takeaways. Right. Okay. So every, like I said, every, every bad feeling we have is us rubbing a genie lamp. And that genie lamp is broken and cursed. It's broken because the genie isn't there anymore. It's cursed because every time we rub the lamp, we are eroding our agency. We are eroding our autonomy because we're pretty much saying we can't deal with this. We need someone to rescue us. We need someone to change as opposed to recognizing our agency and autonomy and asking ourselves, okay, well, what can I do to improve upon the situation? Right. And so just in that acceptance, we move into a new state. Yeah. And allow some flow to happen. Exactly. That that new state won't be blocked by bad emotions. And so with that new state, you'll be feeling happier. And if you're feeling happier, you'll be feeling more resourceful, more open-minded, more conducive to solving problems. So you're much more likely to get what you want. Right. So beautiful. Love it. Thank you oh, so thanks. much, Byron. Oh, thank you. If you've enjoyed the information in this episode, share it with someone you care about and know will benefit. There is one thing for certain. Meltdowns are inevitable. Let's move into mastery together. In the show notes, you'll find my link tree, which has links to many of the most popular platforms. You'll also find links to connect to the featured guest, web page, and social media. Thanks again for being committed to mastery. Change in this world really starts within each of us.